Welcome to Live Life Creative. I'm Dylan Kreinbrink, and thanks for spending some time with me today. I had what I thought was my first sports photography experience. Uh, then I remembered that it, I actually did photograph at the Grand Rapids Marathon. This one, though, was at my alma mater, Cornerstone University. It was organized by a friend that I met when I was in college there, Katie McNabb. She's also a guest on the show uh, a while back, and it's organized with her and a couple of her friends. Now, it's called the 5K to Fight Human Trafficking. It's an event to raise funds for their former youth pastor. He's now a missionary in Thailand with Zoe International. They work to free people, mostly young girls, from being trafficked and sold in Thailand. Now, before I jump into that, I'm still taking suggestions and ideas on what the podcast should be named since it's focused on photography now and not creativity in general like when I started the show. And maybe it doesn't have to be a huge change, right? Maybe a subtle change to Live Life Creative Photo Podcast or maybe the Live Life Creative Photo Show. I also thought about the DK Photo Show. That one feels a little bit arrogant, but it does play off my personal Instagram handle. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Let me know. Tell me what you think. Send me a message on Instagram at Live Life Creative Podcast. And maybe that handle will not exist in the future if we decide to change the show because I want your vote in this. So talking about the 5K, uh, this is another event where I've been trying to learn to take photos and videos at the same time. And and I've still been struggling to get the proper exposure. It, it always seemed too bright of a and too high of an ISO when I'm taking video because before I figured it out, the same I was still having the same problem at this event as the event I talked about in the last podcast, the ADA celebration. I still hadn't figured out at the 5K that I can't be in shutter priority mode and be able to control my ISO. That was still the brick wall that I kept running my head into. The only thing that I could do is stop down my aperture to darken the exposure, but that would only go so far until auto ISO kicked in to just brighten it back up. And the problem that I keep smashing my head against is that I couldn't get ISO to turn off because I couldn't figure out what the problem was at this time. So later, I finally figured out, like I talked about in the previous episode, I had to take it off shutter priority on my user one and user two presets, or maybe it was, uh, it was actually shutter aperture priority. I don't remember. I was, it was such a big problem because I couldn't get the ISO to turn off and it was just blowing out the video so badly. And it was later that I figured out Got to ter- got to be able to do manual controls. I got to do video in manual. Got to figure that one out. And so since then, I have resaved my user presets on U1 and U2 to be in manual mode. And that actually helps with the photography side. If I'm sticking in one of those two modes, I've got you know all my full manual controls, which is a habit that I really ought to get into. And I'm going to talk more about how taking video went in a minute definitely had its ups and downs, that's for sure. Another thing that I want to get more into uh, this for this episode, I mentioned it in the previous episodes, shooting with two camera bodies during the race. I had done this before uh, at the ADA celebration that I talked about previously. I didn't really get into it too much in this ep- uh, that episode. So this time, 
on my Nikon D750. That's the full frame. I had my uh, 24-70 f2.8 for the wide and close shots. And on my Nikon D7000, I put on my 70-210 f4 for the kind of telephoto, farther away, long shots. Now, the D7000 is a crop sensor camera. So you got to multiply that 70-210 to by uh, 1.5. So actually, it's a 105 to 315 equivalent on a full frame camera. And that's actually a pretty, for sports, that's really, really useful. And it, and overall, using the two cameras, it worked out fairly well. It was really nice to have a second camera to switch to uh, when the buffer filled up on the first one. And that's pretty important because even if I had faster cards to put into the D7000, the camera itself is not capable of saving photos to memory very quickly so i could have the fastest sd cards that exist in the world and it would still be pretty slow but it was really cool to be able to cover a runner from far away with the d7000 and then track them all the way and coming close by switching to the d750 and i didn't have to bother with switching lenses like i've had to do before Uh, not for a sports event that would be impossible but for like you know slower paced events Now, before the race itself uh, started, I made sure that I spent a few minutes around the check-in area as racers were coming in. Uh, There was a small display about Ben and his family and Zoe International, and I got detailed shots of that because they had different like bracelets and t-shirts and a few things that they were selling to race support in addition to the, the entry fee to the race. And I also made sure to get the shots of volunteers checking people in, the peoples and family, uh, the running the race itself. You know, that kind of thing to help tell the story of what's going on, the kind of before, uh, the lead up to the race, that kind of thing. Uh, and again, uh, between check-in and the start of the race, uh, the missionary, Ben, he talked for a few minutes about the work that he and his family have been doing in Thailand. Uh, this was indoors in the Quorum Student Union uh, just, you know, indoor space, kind of seating around a little stage area. Uh, very orange lighting. Very, very orange lighting. I used the 24 to 70 for this one. Uh, ben talked from the stage area. It's like six inches higher than the rest of it, so it's not much of a stage. The big problem with it, though, is that behind the stage were these ginormous, like just floor-to-ceiling windows he was completely blacklit, a uh, blacklit, backlit. And that made it really, really tough. I had to keep checking the histogram, uh, checking the photos to make sure that he was properly exposed. I just completely forgot about the windows. Like there's, there's nothing I can do about that. That was impossible. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I included a few crowd shots during this time and uh, not just shots of Ben. I wanted to show that there is quite a few people around there. There's a hundred or so and that was a really good turnout. And I just want to emphasize that this was a well-attended event and that's going to help uh, the event organizers in the future to promote this event if they decide to do it again. And then they can use these photos like, hey, we loved having such a big crowd at our last event. Come and have a fun time with us at the at this next 5K. And that's the kind of photo that can really help sell an event, so to speak, uh, to encourage people to come. Uh, other than that, it was pretty normal indoor shooting. I tried to stay out of people's way to not block their view of what Ben was talking about. Uh, ISO around 1600, that was plenty. Uh, I was shooting on spot metering with protect highlights. So that does produce a little bit darker of exposure. 
Uh, but it does help like with the windows outside at least a little bit that not everything is just completely gone. There's some things that you can see out there. So going outside, uh, getting ready to start the race again, just a hot day, just awful. I was glad I wasn't running in the race in the 5k. There was no clouds, no cover for the, from the sun, unless you're like by the trees or whatever. Uh, And like I said, spot metering with protect highlights to make sure that people's faces weren't blown out with hot spots on them or, you know, the sidewalks weren't just glowing white squares or anything like that. I was using aperture priority. Normally with sports photography, you might put an emphasis on using shutter priority. uh, And that's usually a good idea. But since it was such a bright day, I had no problem with getting uh, shutter speeds of 1,000, 1,250. Even when I brought my ISO all the way down to 50, I was still getting really fast shutter speeds. So that was not the problem. The problem really was is that I had like the D750 can't shoot a high enough, a fast enough shutter speed. It only goes to one over 4,000. It would have been good in this situation to have have it go up to one over 8,000. Some of it was that bright even with adjusting the ISO as far down as I could. I would go up to 200 maybe. Uh, just depends on whether I was shooting into the shadows or into into the sunlight. And the course started kind of at the cafeteria area, kind of in the middle of campus. And it made, it was really nice actually, the way they set up the, the course is it made this big figure eight loop that the runners actually had to run twice. So the start and the finish lines we're like 10 feet apart, right? So they were right near each other in the middle of the figure eight. So I had, you know, up to four opportunities to photograph each person if I just stayed in that one spot. And I did move around to get a variety, but it was really good to have all of those chances to kind of hang out in one area and still be able to cover as many racers as possible. So there's kind of this uh, Cornerstone University as much as it's famous at all, it's famous for having this giant rock that's called right in, that's right in front of the cafeteria, kind of a landmark for it. And Rex, he was one of the organizers. That's what he stood on to give the racers instruction. So, you know, got to get a photo of that. Make sure you got that part of the day. And when the race was about to start, I stood about 100 feet beyond the start line so that the ra- the runners would come towards me, right? And I started off, you know, they didn't actually have a gun, but when the gun gate went off, I was using the D7000 to start uh, with a 70 to 210, just trying to get as many people as possible and at least one photo as they started, because that's the only place everybody was gathered in one spot for the rest of the day. So when the buffer filled there, you know, maybe like 10 shots later is all, I switched to the D750 and the 24 to 70 lens and just kind of kept shooting, kept going. You know, I was kneeling down on one knee. So when people were coming past, I got these really cool wide shots of people running or walking by that I like a lot. You know, it was, you know, looking up at them kind of into their nostrils a little bit, but uh, they were small enough in the frame that it looks like more of a power powerful kind of photo where it kind of emphasizes the the subject rather than like, oh, I can see every single nose hair or whatever like that. I like the photos a lot. And once most of the people had gone by, I jumped back to the starting line, uh, but I pointed towards the campus clock tower instead because that's where kind of the north loop of people would be coming by. And it's actually kind of cool because the sidewalk leading up to the clock tower is surrounded on both sides by trees and bushes and stuff. So it's kind of this natural looking tunnel uh, going into the clock tower. So it's really good natural framing that I liked. Uh, 
Uh, this is where I used the 70 to 210 again. But the problem was that the racers were really backlit. Like there is a lot of chromatic aberration with this lens. It's a, it's an old lens, so it doesn't have all the fancy new uh, like lens coatings and stuff like that to prevent the purple fringing in this case, especially. So what I did in post-production is I used the color zones module and I isolated the magenta aberration, the color of the magenta itself. And I desaturated just that color and that took care of most of it. There is a chromatic aberration module in Darktable, which is the photo editor that I use. It's honestly not that helpful. I've never noticed it to make any difference at all. Uh, using the color zones and isolating just whatever that specific shade of magenta or green is, that's worked a lot better for me. So the sidewalk leading under the clock tower is what led back to the starting area. And it was just like lined with foliage like that, like I said. So nice tunnel perspective, especially with the compression all the way out at 210. Like it just brought everything really close together in a nice way. And I like that a lot. And of course, as the runners themselves got close, I switched back to the 2470, uh, some nice wide shots. As people were close to me, I still got the clock tower in the background. Um, so that was a really nice way to kind of show the area of where the runners were, because I mean, obviously this race is in a place and the clock tower, I think is the highest point in Grand Rapids or something actually, which is kind of a strange (laughs) brag to have for Cornerstone. But I think that's, I think that is actually true. Even with the tall buildings downtown, downtown is like lower elevation so much that the clock tower actually, I think is the highest point in Grand Rapids. But anyway. Cornerstone, mildly famous for the clock tower being so tall. Uh, So I wanted to make sure that that got in the shot. It was uh, partially obscured by the trees, but light was coming through the trees. And this lens, the 24 to 70, does not have that kind of problem with chromatic aberration. So it was really a kind of a beautiful shot that way. The runners, as they went by at this point, uh, were just in open shade. So I didn't have any like hot spots on their face problems or dappled light or anything like that. That was really good. And after this point in the race, uh, the gap goes like quite a ways from the start and finish area. Uh, I didn't want to get too far away from that area and miss the first place finisher, but I did wait for the runners, uh, not too far away, just behind the athletic center. Uh, there's a pond in the middle of the Cornerstones campus. So I was on the sidewalk where the route came uh, between the pond and the athletic center. And that was a pretty cool spot. So I had the building at my back facing towards the pond and I set up the shot to have, you know, really nice foil foliage and sky and water for the background for a wide shot. And I was still ready for the runners to kind of come around the north edge of the pond, you know, trees and stuff there. So I had to kind of wait for them. Uh, I had the 20, the 70 to 210 ready for that and had and shot people, <laughs> photographed people as they came towards me. Uh, the only great wide shot that I got uh, was actually with the first place runner, but that was good. I got a good photo of him. It looked, re- it was a great shot. I was just disappointed. I should have spent more time in that particular spot with that same uh, background and gotten some more photos there. Um, in the longer shots at that spot, I got some more foreground elements, you know, out of focus and good compression. I got some good shots there. Uh, quite a few people. I got some photographs of them to make sure that everybody was included into the final album. Now, I did leave that spot after a while. I wanted to be sure, absolutely sure, that I caught the first place runner finishing. So I went back to the start line. 
And the and since I was taking video clips at the same time, but I was struggling with it, I never got my settings right to switch back and forth between photo and video very easily. So the this was the major issue of the day, at least for me. When the first place runner came across the finish line, my shutter was way too slow. The exposure was way too hot. And I was not ready at all. I tried to get him in focus as quickly as I could and just kind of panned with him. So the photo turned out kind of cool. It was not the photo that I wanted to get. So that was the mistake part. But the background was blurry as you would expect with a really slow shutter speed. I think it was like 150th or something crazy like that. But he was somewhat in focus because I was panning along with him at the same speed. So I decided uh, personally, this was not a mistake. It was an artistic decision. The photo does look pretty cool, though. Uh, it kind of, you know, conveyed the speed at which he was running because this guy like pretty dying fit, like he's really fast. So it conveyed his speed uh, with the black <laughs> background, with the background being blurred, kind of in a lateral blurring motion. Now, at this point, taking photos was really tricky because the runners were spread out all along the course. Some people were getting lapped. Some people were walking. So there's people all over the place. They were coming into the start finish area from two directions and going out in two different directions. So I was like, you know, whipping back and forth, trying to take photos as, as of as many people as possible. Uh, my main focus, though, was getting people as they cross the finish line because, you know, that's what people really want to want to see is like oh yeah i crossed the finish line like look at me accomplishment stuff like that now the route to the finish alternated between sunlight and shadow like the last you know 10 15 20 yards or whatever like that that was really tough i really had to balance between the highlight and the shadow shadow sliders to make sure that there is nothing that was completely blown out or too lost in shadow, kind of depending where the subject was. And it turned out to have a bit of an HDR look. I don't think it was too over the top, but it was really necessary to have this kind of look just to be able to see the subject or subjects for each photo. Now, the funny thing was uh, two people ran with their German shepherds. So when they crossed the finish line, I got a good shot of one of the dogs, just his tongue hanging out. And that was a really fun shot. I enjoyed that. Uh, one runner, a uh, girl and a uh, girl and boy running at the same time together. She was like either live streaming or recording an Instagram story as she crossed the line. That was pretty funny to me. So I made sure I got a good shot of that. So that was kind of the wrap up to the race. And afterwards was they had a they had this, this little bit of a taste of Thailand. Uh, Katie, my friend who organized the race with her friends, she had made like 30 pounds of mango sticky rice. And I wish I had gotten a bowl of it, but I was, you know, taking photos and stuff. Everybody got a bowl of rice, you know, just hanging out, chatting and stuff like that. This was a really good chance to get the, you know, the happy smiling people shots. You know, they're tired, happy they finished the race. Uh, I got some group photos, people talking together, laughing, you know, just showing a good time was had by all. And those are another kind of photo, kind of photo that is really good for event organizers to have just to like show like, hey, this was a successful event. People enjoyed it. If we do it again, you want to come and have some fun, too. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, This is where there's a lot of like open shade and stuff people are under. So with the preset, the Fuji Pro 400H that kicked in and looked really good there. Now, when I went to edit the images, I made sure to have as wide a range of people as possible so that everyone would show up at least in one photo, hopefully. That was really tough with a 5K race like this. 
you really want to have multiple photographers to get thorough coverage. I was doing this solo just as kind of a favor to Katie uh, because I wanted to get this experience. Uh, so it was good for me to have the experience. It was uh, maybe not as complete and thorough as if there was, you know, a professional sports photography team going going in and taking photos. You know, you want to get as wide range so that people can see themselves in the photos. They want to be able to remember the day. That's the photo that they're going to share on Facebook and share with their friends. And that's how the client, in this case, Katie and the 5K, the team and stuff like that, that's how they get to be seen by more people on social media. And that's going to help a lot if they decide to do the race again. Now, like I said, uh, mentioned just a second ago, I used a preset of Fuji Pro 400H for the overall look for all of the photos. And then I adjusted the exposure slider and the highlights and shadow sliders to kind of get the the right exposures for things. Uh, for some, I did need to add some more contrast or boost the midtones with the levels module. And that was especially true for photos uh, when I was shooting into the shadow, when the subject was in shadow, uh, that midtone uh, slider in the lev- levels module, that's where I needed to boost that up. Now, like I said, Everything looked especially good after the race. People hanging out, open shade. There wasn't any dappled light, really. Those shots were probably the best ones, even though everybody was kind of gross and sweaty from running. You know, people are happy. They're having a good time, and that's where it, that's really what makes it look good. Um, the 70 to 210 shots, I was looking at these when I was processing them, obviously. The lens is an older lens, uh, just not a lot of contrast naturally in the lens. So that's what it really had to um, boost a lot of the contrast, especially in the backlit shots, very low contrast. I used a really low amount of haze removal to bring back that contrast. And it also does a nice thing where it brings back the saturation some as well. And some of them need even more. Uh, I just used the contrast lighter for those. And overall... Uh, I just processed the images to look natural as possible. You know, a touch on the warm side to feel a little bit more sentimental, a bit happier. And that helps the skin tones to look a little nicer as well. And there's just tons of dynamic range in these photos. Very bright or very dark areas in each photo. So really had to push those highlighted shadow sliders to as much as I could, as much as I dared to try to get those. Even with the HDR look, they still came out looking not overly processed. They still looked out pretty good. So that was my experience with shooting the 5K to fight human trafficking. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that is helpful to you that if you're going out on a sports photography adventure that keep a few of these things in mind, especially if you're trying to do photo and video at the same time. Make sure you're doing photo on manual mode so you don't run into crazy auto ISO problems like I did. That was a mess. So I'm glad I wasn't doing the photo for the video for a paid gig. I I wasn't getting paid for that. But I did learn a lot. And I think the highlight video, highlight reel of the day, I think that came out pretty good. So I still, two things. Let me know what you think about changing the name of the show. Uh, Message me on Instagram at Live Life Creative Podcast or tweet me DKPhotoXYZ on uh, Twitter. And if you're interested in learning more about Darktable, that's my free and open source photo editor that I use. It is free as in free beer and free as in freedom. Uh, let me know if you'd like to learn more about that in a message or tweet. Uh, these would be dedicated Darktable podcast episodes, uh, maybe YouTube tutorials. 
I might just do it just because I want to do it. And if I do it, that that's why I want to do it. But if you want to come along the, on the ride with Darktable, I'd love to know that as well. Not as much content out there about Darktable. Not nearly as much as Lightroom, obviously, because Lightroom is so popular. So I think this would be a good place to really be able to contribute back to you and back to the photographic community uh, with tutorials and learning more about it and talking about it. If that's something that you think would be interesting as well. So, I'm Dylan Kreinberg. Thanks for spending time with me on the possibly yet to be renamed Live Life Creative. <laughs>